You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Hides of sea cows, or some translations, badger skins. But again, the Hebrews seem to suggest hides of sea cows. Anyway, it was it was the most unimpressive of the curtains, and that's the outer curtain. Why would that be? Isaiah chapter fifty-three, verse two says, "He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him." That's the outer covering. That's Jesus in the flesh. The tabernacle was basically the traveling church of the Israelites. In today's message, Pastor Danny will share with you that parts of the tabernacle were covered with the hides of sea cows or badger skins, depending on the translation. Regardless, this hide wasn't very good to look at, and yet it represented Christ. Jesus wasn't a white man with long, flowing brown or blonde hair. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. He probably looked like a normal man, and yet his words were enough to change lives. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus, chapter 26, as he continues his message, The Tabernacle. Darkness has not overcome it. That's what the Greek word really means, has not overcome it. In other words, no matter how dark, the light's going to keep shining. It's going to keep shining. It's God's light. I love it. Okay, back in Exodus, chapter 26. I should, we, should start a, we should start a little Bible school or something. because I, love, I really love doing this kind of stuff. And I lo- I'd rather do it in a classroom setting, too, where I'm not standing up here when I'm closer to you. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Okay, I will. Maybe. We'll pray about it. Uh, Exodus chapter 26. Oh, one of my favorite sections. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen of blue uh, and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim, angelic beings, worked into them by a skilled craftsman. That's the first uh, set of curtains uh, and coverings for the tabernacle. White, purity and holiness, blue, heaven, Purple, royalty, scarlet, I believe, along with the guys smarter than me, sacrifice. Wow. Jump down to verse 7, chapter 26. Make curtains of goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle, 11 all together. The goat was a common sacrifice for sin. The goat was especially one of the key sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. By the way, the Day of Atonement, uh, they had sacrifices every day. And you had, uh, there was all kinds of sacrifices. All kinds of sacrifices. The Day of Atonement was a one-for-all, all-for-one sacrifice. Are you with me? It was a one-for-all, all-for-one sacrifice. And the high priest was the one who went in, uh, sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat, on the seat of atonement, also called the mercy seat, 
But he came back out, and every year they do the same thing, every year. But it was a one-for-all, all-for-one, but they had to keep doing it. I think you know why, and we'll get to that. They sacrificed the bull, blood, mercy seat, uh, come back out, seat of atonement. Uh, then he take the goat, and there were two goats. One was sacrificed. The blood of the goat was brought in, put on the seat of atonement, the mercy seat. And then the other goat was called the scapegoat. They lay their hands, he, the, the priest laid his hands on the scapegoat, representative for the people, that now all the sins of the people was going on the scapegoat. And the blood was covering their sin, and the scapegoat, all their sins going on this goat, and somebody lead him way out in the wilderness. Uh, some people say he ended up being pushed off a cliff. I don't know, but he, they, got, they got him out of there where he's not going to come back. And you know the, the lesson there. Your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. But then next year, they have to do it again. Do it again. So it's interesting, the second uh, set of curtains was of goat hair. And then you jump down, uh, verse 14. Let's just read the first half of it. Chapter 26, verse 14, make for the tent a covering of ram skins dyed red. Cool stuff. The ram was the sacrifice for the consecration of the priest, signifying their consecration, dedication, devotedness to God. The ram is also the head of the flock, and as the head typifies strength and dignity. It's especially interesting to me that in the story of Abraham and Isaac and God telling Abraham, offer your son Isaac on Mount Moriah, which just happens to be the mount where Mount Calvary was. And then Abraham's about to strike his son with a knife. God speaks from heaven and says, stop. I've provided for myself. Literally, they say in the Hebrew, I've provided myself a sacrifice. And Abraham is told to look over and caught in the thicket is what? A ram. A ram. Cool stuff. Ramskin dyed red. Ramskin dyed red. Now I'm going to jump ahead, not really jump ahead, but uh, the first curtain here is the one we talked about with the four colors and what they represent. And you never see that, all right? You only saw it if you're on the inside. The second one is the goat. The third is the ramskin dyed red. Well, let me not jump ahead of that. Look at that for a minute. Did you know there's a worm? And I sometimes I read some of these things in commentaries or whatever, and they have no basis for it. Well, I found, I found this is actually true. I found it online. There's a worm called a scarlet worm. It was used in making the scarlet dye uh, in ancient days. When the mother worm was ready to give birth to the baby worms, she would find the trunk of a tree or some other piece of wood and she would plant her body in the woods so firmly that she could never leave it again. I found it online today. Her young would then be born, the mother would die, and in the process, the scarlet fluid would stain her body, the body of her offspring, and the tree. About three days later, when things dried, the red fluid dried, it would turn white and flake off like snow. You can't make that kind of stuff up. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They're, they're red as crimson. They shall be white like wool. You know what I did when I found this verse? You know what I did? You know what I did? I went on that blue letter Bible program, and I clicked on the Greek word for scarlet. Here it is. Probably the insect, properly the insect or the worm, Cocos illicis. 
The dried body of the female yielding coloring matter from which is made the dye used for cloth to color is scarlet or crimson. Is that not the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life? You say, Lord, you got it all right here. It's right here. Just cool stuff, man. But that ain't all. Let me go back. This last one. Go back. Exodus 26. The last part of verse 14. And over that, a covering of hides of sea cows. Now, this guy said badger skins dyed blue. I, I, somehow I missed that. I never found anything dyed blue. And even in this thing, they're not dyed blue. And they're very unimpressive. The hides of sea cows. Or some translations, badger skins. But again, the Hebrews seem to suggest hides of sea cows. Anyway, it was, it was the most unimpressive of the curtains. And that's the outer curtain. Why would that be? Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2 says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. That's the outer covering. That's Jesus in the flesh. If we read on, I'm not going to do it. There are two silver bases for every frame for this tabernacle structure. Two silver bases. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says, Our salvation, our faith is built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Revelation chapter 21, verses 12 through 14 tells in this new uh, heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, there are gates, 12 gates, each gate a single pearl. There are 12 foundations. Guess what? On, the name, uh, on every single gate, the name of one of the tribes of Israel. We enter through Israel. We have a Jewish Messiah. And the foundation, 12. And the names of the 12 apostles. Cool stuff. It's the first double base, if you're a drummer in the Bible. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have gone there. Um, Exodus 26, verse 31. How am I doing on time? Okay, Exodus 26, verse 31. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubim worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Make a curtain of blue, purple, scarlet yarn with cherubim worked into it. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp and place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Josephus was a Jewish historian. He wrote that this veil was four inches thick and that horses tied to each end could not pull it apart. And yet we read in Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 and 51, that after Jesus said, forgive them, and then his last, it is finished, you know, and he gave up his spirit, it is finished, sacrifice complete. This veil that horses couldn't pull apart Heaven tore from top to bottom, signifying there's no longer any separation from the holy place to the most holy place. There's access. Access. Incredible. Incredible. Hebrews chapter 6. We've got to turn to it. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's the curtain we just read about. Where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever. 
in the order of Melchizedek, without beginning of days or end of life. One more, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, his body was torn, and it opened the way for us into the holy place, the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Praise the Lord. Back in Exodus, chapter 27, next item. Verse 1, build an altar of acacia wood, three cubits high. It's to be square, five cubits long and five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar are of one piece. And overlay the altar with bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze. It's pots to remove the ashes, shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and fire pans. Everything of bronze. Why? Because bronze speaks of judgment. The judgment on the sacrifice instead of on the people. The judgment on the sacrifice. The four horns represent God's power, especially over life and death. A guy named Adonijah, after Solomon took the throne, and you can find it in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 50, he was fearful of his life that Solomon was going to have him killed, and so he goes to this altar we're talking about. But it was at Solomon's temple, still altar there, same idea. And he grabs hold of the horns of the altar. And what he's saying is, oh God, spare my life. Oh God, spare my life. About the best one I could find. Again, I know there are probably better ones out there, and I know you'll be emailing me. The altar of burnt offering, of course, they offered other sacrifices on it as well. Uh, the burnt offering was a whole, complete Offering. And then you jump back, Exodus 28. Exodus 28. A few verses I got to read here. Hang with me. Verse 2 Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor because he's the high priest. Verse 6. Make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen, the work of a skilled craftsman. It's to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. Jump down, verse 9. Take two onyx stones, engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth. Six names on one stone, the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Same chapter, verse 15, first half. Fashion a breast piece. For making decisions. That's interesting. Verse 17. Mount four rows of precious stones on it. In the first row, there shall be a ruby, a topaz, a barrel. In the second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, an emerald. Third row, a jacinth, an agate, agate, an am- amethyst. In the fourth, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. These are extremely 
expensive and gorgeous gems. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. Verse 29, almost done here. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Then the next one talks about the Urim and Thummim. We don't know a great deal about that. There were two stones put in the uh, part of the breastpiece, and they were for making decisions before the Lord, getting his guidance for the high priest to get the Lord's guidance. And the guidance always had the people in mind. What's best for the people? What can I do for the people? What can I do for, as their high priest, what can I do for them? One on each shoulder with six names of the tribes on one, six names of the other, six tribes on the other, and all the 12 here, the beautiful gems on the high priest's heart. And he carried them on his shoulders and on his heart. And every decision that he made before the Lord was to be for the good of the people because he loved them like nobody loved them. Verse 31, chapter 28, make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth, heavenly. Winding down, Exodus chapter 30, verse 1. Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It's to be square, a cubit long, a cubit wide, two cubits high, its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Verse 7, Aaron must bring must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. God tells him in chapter 30, verses 34 to 38, There's one recipe, it's God's recipe for this incense, and if anybody tries to use any other recipe, they'll be cut off from his people. God's recipe. It's what pleases him. It's what he likes to smell. It's what makes him go, I like that. If I had the time, I'd go to Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. And there you have this altar and the incense that goes up before God. And included in the the incense are the prayers of the saints. It's prayers, it's worship, it's what pleases the Lord. Every prayer prayed in the will of God is going to one day be answered. What a day that's going to be. Well, let's bring it to a close. Exodus 30, verse 17. What a great way to close. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. 
Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. God tells them twice. Make sure. Make sure you get the cleansing necessary. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Don't miss this last one. Exodus 38. Remember what we just read. Exodus 38, verse 8. Cool stuff. They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. It's a basin of washing made of mirrors. So that every time you come, you can look. And if you got any kind of sense at all, wash. Because you need the cleansing. Because if you don't get the cleansing, you're going to die. You can't get a message clearer than that. Make sure you get the cleansing. I've had the opportunity many times with counseling situations to share the gospel with that picture. And that's not why I got the picture. I got the picture because I liked it. There's only one entrance. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the four colors, same as the four colors that you could only see inside of the tabernacle, it's Jesus. You come first to the altar because there has to be a sufficient sacrifice or you go no further. But if you have the sufficient sacrifice, you go to the basin of washing. That's right in front of the first entrance to the tabernacle itself, the holy place. And you wash because the sacrifice was sufficient and you don't die. And then you move into the holy place and you have the lampstand. I saw the light. And you have the table of showbread. You can have communion with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Getting emotional. Then you have the altar of incense and your worship is accepted by God and your prayer is heard by God. But you don't stop there because now there's no four inch thick or however thick it was veil that separates the holy place from the very throne room. And that's why Hebrews tells us approach the throne with confidence. Do not do it with arrogance, but do it with confidence. Because our great high priest has gone into that very literal throne room after he gave the sufficient sacrifice and shed his blood. And on that mercy seat, on that atonement cover, his blood, his blood causes us to be cleansed once and for all. You don't have to keep doing it year after year after year after year. No, once and for all. And the angels look down and their attention is drawn to that atonement cover and that mercy seed and that sacrifice and they marvel at the grace and the mercy of the God they serve to save the likes of you and me. 
Praise the Lord. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is an incredibly powerful tool to fight off the fear that's growing in the hearts of people. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement in knowing that God has come to redeem just as He did in Exodus. Please pray also for us to continue seeking God's will for this program. As you pray, please consider if God would lead you to support us financially in some capacity. If you'd like to partner with us in this way, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under forms. Anything given will be used to share the good news of Jesus. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Exodus. And we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.